Talk and Chop with Billy D on Classic Rock 96.5. For this episode, I'm so excited to talk to a bassist that's played in some of the most legendary bands around. Bad English, he's been playing in Sticks for a long time, and he was a dear friend of Ronnie Montrose. Talk and Chop today with Ricky Phillips. Hey, Billy. Ricky, where are you calling from, brother? I am in Morristown, New Jersey right now. Okay, what's going on up there? Well, we got a show tonight, and then uh, Points Beyond. We just finished two nights in Atlantic City. We're here tonight, and uh, we're marching uh, towards Georgia. Just like Sherman, right? Yeah. Cool. And you're coming to Richmond here June 21st at Virginia Credit Union Live, and I'll get into that tour here in a bit, but I'd love to talk about that last Montrose album, if you don't mind. Yeah, man, I'd love to talk about the Montrose album. Now, for those that don't know, before Ronnie Montrose passed away, you guys were working on an album where he had all the rhythm tracks already ready, and you took it upon yourself a few years ago to completely finish the record. What was it that made you want to go through that enormous process? Well, you know, Ronnie and, and Eric Singer and I had been sort of a power trio. We'd used a few different singers. Never really found the guy, but... um we had something we had between the three of us our styles just meshed and it was so easy to work and write and but we weren't thinking about this and one day just he popped ronnie popped it on eric and i he just said you know because we were doing we were doing gigs with ronnie eric was working with uh, alice cooper and with kiss yeah and kiss wasn't doing that many shows around that time and i was just doing sessions i had my own studio so i did a lot of stuff um there that was kind of where I uh, paid the mortgage was work, working in the studio and he um, just set pop this thing up. He said, Hey, look, um, we, we, what we've got right here is, is something that we, we shouldn't let it pass by. We need to get in the studio. I've made arrangements um, to, uh, he, he get to get a little bit of money together to, to go in and so we can cut some tracks. And I had a studio that I was working out of besides my own, uh, when I did recording dates, and I turned Ronnie on to, to this place, and we went in and cut these 10 songs. And um, still, we just couldn't find the right guy. We had a guy came in that I recorded, and it just wasn't right. It wasn't up to what we were looking for. And Ronnie called me up and said, uh, I've got an idea. Let's call this 10 by 10. He named it 10 by 10 before he passed. He said, we've got our 10 tracks, and I w- will have our 10 songs with 10 different singers. And then the joke was always great, Ronnie, but we can't find one singer. How are we going to find 10 singers? <laughs> and then he, he explained his, um, his idea being, you know, I want to call Sammy, Sammy Hagar. I want to call Edgar, right? Edgar winner, Greg Raleigh from, for people who don't know Greg Raleigh, he sings black magic when he, when he was with Santana, he was at Woodstock and Santana. He also started journey, stole Neil Sean out of Santana and started journey. Yeah. Legend. And, we're kind of northern guys, Ronnie and I. I'm from Redding, California. He's he's actually from uh, Colorado, but as a young guy, he moved to northern California. He was living outside of the Bay Area. So all of his contacts were people in San Francisco area. So we forged on with Ronnie's idea, and um, Edgar did an incredible job singing his track. Sammy did a fantastic job. Uh, let's see, who else did we have? Mark Farner from Grand Funk. They were friends from way back. He asked Mark to sing on a song. And Mark had played a little bit of a beginnings of a guitar solo. There were little bits and pieces that we had besides, but Ronnie hadn't gone in and played his solos. And the month before Ronnie died, 
he called me. It might have even been just about three weeks before he died. He called me and told me how great his life was, how wonderful everything was. He had a new agent. His band was rocking. I was pretty much on the road nonstop with sticks by this point. Yeah. And I tried to do both for a while. I did shows with Ronnie. I would fly to sticks, fly with Ronnie in the very beginning. It just it was killing me. And he understood. And, and the thing with Ronnie and Eric, uh, we, we were very close friends. We, we were tight. We got it. There were no games no no nothing just straight up rock and roll good good buds and all supportive of one another and each other's career so there was nothing weird or anything but the gamble is always will a project be successful we didn't know but we just loved playing with ronnie we knew this stuff was good is rock and roll viable you know there's always the big question anymore does anybody care how big is the audience but we were just doing it out of the love of it and and the brotherhood you know just sort of the hang and uh, so he told me how happy he was, and and how he he said the one thing I really want to get done, I want to get, I want to get ten by ten done. It's too good. People got to hear this. And um, I guess it was about three three and a half weeks later. I'm getting a flight home from a leg of the tour, and I go into uh, the Admirals Club in Chicago, and I open up my computer, and then I see Ronnie Montrose dead at sixty four, and. It was, I just kept reading it like, what? It just made no sense. Yeah. Did not see this coming. Um, his wife didn't, nobody saw it coming. And, um, you know, this is one of the things, and now that the record's been 10 by 10, has been out for a while. Um, Lisa Montrose, Ronnie's wife, we want to address, you know, depression and how important it is if you know somebody that's, you know, maybe going through something, help them, you know, get them through the night, do whatever. But, um, it's a real thing, and and unfortunately, we lost our bro. But I then told Lisa, I didn't even ask. I had I, heard that um, there were some producers in the San Francisco Bay Area that were going to grab the, the masters of 10 by 10 and, and finish it. And I was like, what? <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. And I, I just said, I said, Lisa, those tapes aren't going anywhere but with me. Um, and I should preface this with uh, immediately Eric had called me and said, said, Ricky, you know, you're the only one that can really do this, do it right. Do you have the time? Could, would you, could you? And uh, we discussed it and um, I knew it was going to kill me, but I, I, I knew how important it was. Um, and it took me three, little over three years to finish it from flying back from the road to my studio. And I, I had a buddy that, of mine who was a great engineer in, in Los Angeles. I'd been going to San Francisco to work in a studio there. That wasn't working. I'd get there, and we'd get a little bit done, but I realized this is going to take 20 years to finish his record. Right, right. So I, I, I had them run masters, all the masters, off onto drives for me to take away, which we did. And I called my buddy up, and I said, how much is it going to cost me to tie you down um, to engineer for me so that I can throw you guitar parts, throw you keyboard parts, vocals, um, or come to your studio. We did, we did, um, Steve Lukather's guitar tracks in his studio. We did, um, all I arranged and kind of, I had two gals that I wanted to use for background vocals. And then, uh, Jeff Scott Soto. I, I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff, great, great rock and roll singer. Um, worked with Ian Bay, was worked with a lot, with a lot of different people. He actually sang uh, on a journey tour when when they were without a singer for for a tour, uh, but he uh, and I have worked a lot together. Great singer, and I like to sing with 
kind of um, Ronnie and I really like humble pie, and and it's sort of like Steve Marriott when he used to, you know, the the female background with his you know male screeching yeah. wonderful sounding yeah. voice, and so that's where I as I was putting this together, I was kind of um, doing the things that were obvious, the, the solos that needed to be put on, and the caveat there was that anybody who played on the record had to have a connection to Ronnie or be someone that I had heard Ronnie um, comment about. He liked their playing or whatever. Brad Whipper from Aerosmith, Ronnie always called Brad the dark horse in Aerosmith. He loved Brad's playing. And so I called Brad um, when it came to the Edgar Winter song. I called up Edgar and I said, I've got, here's my idea, Edgar, but I don't, every band has dirty laundry, so let me, I'm going to call you first and make sure this is cool. I want to call Rick Derringer to play the solo that Ronnie didn't get to. So you've got you, Ronnie, and and Rick Derringer, all guys who met uh, during the Edgar Winter group and were, all had con- contributions to the Edgar Winter group all on the same track. Right. And Edgar said, said you know, Rick, I think that's a fabulous idea. I think Rick would be great on this record. <laughs> and so I called Rick and made a, I had to make arrangements for Rick to go into a studio in Florida where he lived because he was touring at the time. And, of course, he was on board. Um, and the track he sent me, I did not edit it. I swear to you, I got the everything I got, I, I pretty much had to do some editing to make it right. But Rick's track slipped in perfectly. Wow. Uh, just spot on. And um, But it, it was a process. It took me time. Um, I could go down the list. Uh, um, Eric Martin... Um, had done his track. Ronnie actually chose Eric. I didn't choose Eric. Um, and I love Eric's voice. And um, so, he, as you as you go down that li- the list of songs, there's there's guys that I tried to get to fit together. Um, I didn't actually want to sing any of the tracks on the record. And the only reason I I, I wrote a song uh, called "The Kingdoms Come Undone," um, and it it was it's I tried to get a hold of a couple big heavyweight hitters to sing that track, and um, I couldn't I couldn't bring them in I couldn't reel them in, and um, it's a very diff it's a different kind of track it isn't an obvious blues rock track it's not obvious in any direction, so uh, with some encouragement in the camp they, if everybody said man you you sound great on the demo you should just sing this. And um, so I did, and I uh, got Joe Bonamassa to play guitar. Maybe I'd take a little bit of attention away from myself. <laughs> and, uh, and Joe just absolutely played this, this mind-blazing uh, solo on that track. And, um, and I played a lot of keyboards on a lot of the stuff. As a matter of fact, um, I, have, I got my B3 and, and Leslie all set up so that I could, as I got off the road, if it was a piano track or 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 organ track it was all set up i could walk in my studio flip everything on and everything was already hardwired in so i really just had to you know let's see that light go red for record and and start creating and um and that's what i that's what i did but the um i mean the performances on the record are just i think they're extra special because of the love for ronnie um i have tried to remind all the guitar players hey look um, this is a Ronnie Montrose record, and so, you know, remember why he loved you. You guys have all played something that 
sparked his interest in you. And so, um, as you're doing these tracks, please let's be thinking of, of Ronnie. And Ronnie didn't like just a flurry of notes. He liked he liked to build a solo. He liked it to to taunt you, to 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 lure you in, to want you to hear you want to hear more. And um, and I some of the guys. I would I would uh, say remember now this is as they were tracking yeah yeah I know I <laughs> and uh, but it all, it all worked out and uh, the performances and, and the love on the record is, is really strong um, we got involved a little bit in in, the, in some stuff during the process of after landing a deal um, with Rhino we missed three deadlines that oh, should have been released which yeah. was a shame because we of contractual stuff and money things that had nothing to do with me i went in got us the deal with with uh, uh Styx's manager uh, charlie brusco um helped me get the deal and uh the president of rhino came over to me because she said ricky incredible job love the production he said i want you to know that we'd listened to about a minute of, of the music you sent us and I looked around at my staff and I said, we're into this, right? And he said, yeah, everybody did. Yeah, damn right. Absolutely. This <laughs> That's is. great. So he said, I want you to know everybody at Rhino was on board with this. This wasn't any decision made by one person. I said, awesome. That's great. So I thought, great, we're going to be off and running here. But then all of a sudden, oh, some of Ronnie's past catalog, other things got started getting tied in and uh, people going after the, what I don't have any grasp on that. But then I saw it, um, kind of lose its thunder a little bit and uh, but when it came out they were they were behind it um it pr- they didn't really have much money left for for you know pushing it but um it uh, it did well it, it is still doing well they call it a slow burn uh, the audience that is out there for this and people who knew ronnie or, or a lot of the people are on the record who may be interested and curious um we've been we get we've got great reviews um, I don't think I read any bad review on the record, and which was was very nice, just for the um, to kind of make me feel better about the job I, I did uh, in Ronnie's name. And but I did make most of the decisions with sort of what would Ronnie do in the back of my mind. Yeah. And um, the few things that I do as a producer that I've always done on a lot of my records is the vocal thing I was talking about. I knew Ronnie liked Humble Pie, so I knew I had the green light to do it. I felt like the songs were were deep enough to where it, they they could use um, some other you know um, textures like key, some of the keyboard things and some of the vocal things that I put in that normally you would not hear on the Ronnie Montrose record. But um, I tried to do it with respect for what I what I felt Ronnie would approve of. Just hearing you talk about it, and of course the success that it had, really is a testament to his legacy and unbelievable job on that thanks man thank you all I the while it. i mean you're in sticks while this is going on so yeah <laughs> you know it was it was a bit crazy at times sure like, oh my god oh my god and especially when it's something that is that important a lot of sessions i can go do people call me up i can fly in they pick me up at the airport i go to the studio i you know blow something down just with from their instruction from their direction and just my gut and it's gonna be good but i can fly away but this was so not that this was so much more um delicately you know, f- just from the, the concept of it to make sure i got it right 
But oh my uh, God, imagine making this record 25, 30 years ago when you couldn't just, hey, could you send me a keyboard track real quick? You know what I well, mean? Well, yeah, you're, that's, a, that's a really great point because we recorded this analog. This was all done on two-inch tape, so we had to slave everything off on the drives yeah. before we could even start. And um, thank God for that, because, and thank God it maybe took 10 years because um, from the time we cut it to the time uh, that I, I got it, because now all of a sudden digital can it's a bigger sample rate and it's a it, uh, the bit rate is at a place where um if you record something that's been done analog it it sounds like an analog record i mean it's really it didn't sound like that back in the day it's a, the beginnings of digital recording no that's pretty, right it was so compressed that you get that washy sound yeah, it's pretty stark I, it was really tough for me when i had to when I, my first the first record i did i listened to it and i went Man, I thought what, this record was so impassioned, and now I listen to it mixed, and I, it, it, it just sounds flat to me. I right? Where's that vinyl sound? Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so maybe it was a blessing in disguise, uh, just for the record that it, it, it took this long. But I do wish Ronnie could have heard this record um, completed because he, it meant so much, did mean so much to him. But um, uh, yeah, I'm thrilled with the way it sounds and and uh, and the way it did come out. Well, that's killer, man. And of course, that came out the same year as Styx's latest, The Mission. Um, and I know yeah. for the new shows, you're actually mixing in some of the songs from that last album, right? Yeah, we are. I mean, it's, um, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, when I go see a, my, my favorite band and they started playing, oh, this is, we're going to play all of our new records. <laughs> no, no. Buzzkill. Yeah. You know? yeah, so uh, we try to do. Uh, just piecemeal and and appropriately um but and it also depends on what kind of a gig it is if it's a if it's a big outdoor arena concert we may do one thing but if it's a sit-down venue where you you can maybe take a little bigger bite out of out of out of sticks and we still get all the hits as well yeah um we went we might play a couple more than we normally would but um it's being received really well, and it's it's awesome to see people singing the new stuff. That's what's great to look out and see people singing along. So, oh, that's killer. Yeah, June twenty first, sticks coming to Credit Union live. Can't wait to have you in town, Ricky. Thanks so much for your time, and I really want to talk to you again as we get closer to the show because I feel like we could talk about gear and sounds for about oh, six or sure, seven hours. Man. Yeah, absolutely, my pleasure. Anytime you want to talk, I'm here. All right, right on, Ricky Phillips, sticks June twenty first, Credit Union live. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Billy. Talk and Chop with Billy D on Classic Rock 96.5.